values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Seems to uh, to be appropriate for this next segment of the show. <laughs> uh, thanks for being here this morning. Um, back to the topic at hand of the president of the United States, former President Trump. Um, you can still call him president. We still say President Obama. We all know he's the former president. Uh, president Trump being indicted first, uh, first U.S. president to be indicted like this. Um, not the first world leader, but the first U.S. president to be indicted. Um, I'm fielding – it's so funny to see the passion on both sides of this. I got a message from somebody mad at me because Trump hasn't been convicted of anything, so why am I believing some of these things? And somebody else mad at me because I'm defending him. Um, I'm not defending anybody. I am talking about what everybody else is talking about. There's two sides to this story, and I want to go down the road of one of the sides of this story. Um, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, is the Speaker of the House that impeached Donald Trump. Nancy Pelosi is also the Speaker of the House that ordered two uh, committees in Congress to go after Donald Trump. And I want you to hear why people are upset about things being two-faced and and double standards. This is Nancy Pelosi in 1998, I believe, talking about Republicans and the indictment of uh, former President Clinton. Today, the Republican majority is not judging the president with fairness, but impeaching him with a vengeance. In the investigation of the president, fundamental principles which Americans hold dear, privacy, fairness, checks and balances, have been seriously violated. And why? Because we are here, as we are here today, because the Republicans in the House are paralyzed with hatred. Until the Republicans free themselves of this hatred, our country will suffer. Well, we know that the Trump tax returns were illegally released and leaked out to the public. We know a lot of things have happened. And listen, I, I'll be honest. I don't want to defend any of this. I'm just telling you the way pe- people, human beings are fallible human beings. Uh, there is a large difference between illegal and immoral. And be honest, every single one of us, I think, I want to be as honest as I can without confessing too much. There's plenty in my life that I've done wrong. There's plenty of things in my life that I needed to be ashamed of. There's no doubt about it. I've done things I regret that I've done. I've hurt people I shouldn't have hurt. I've done a lot of different things. So standing on the moral high ground and acting like I would never do something like that is not at all what I'm doing. At the same time, I do feel a little bit sketchy defending someone that's paying off porn stars so his wife doesn't find out about an affair. Now, you're right. He denies that he's done it, but he wrote the check. They admit to writing the check. And now, if you believe, and it's very possible, we'll find out. But we also something else. These indictments have been sealed. We don't know what they are. Now, there's been rumors of over 30 charges, something up to 34 charges. We don't know. We will find out eventually. But right now, we do not know what those charges are. So is it one? Does it all surround itself around the one topic? Is there a multiple charges? Is there a pattern here of illegality? I don't know the answer to that. But is it politically motivated? Yeah, there's no doubt this is politically motivated. You heard Nancy Pelosi in 1998 as a congresswoman say the Republicans just hate Bill Clinton. That's why they're doing what they're doing. Well, what did Nancy Pelosi and Jerry Nadler and um, um, what's his face in the Intelligence Committee? What did they do? Um, 
Adam Schiff, what did they do? Same thing. Four years of investigation after investigation. The Republicans were screaming the same thing. So uh, I'll go back to my original thought on this from earlier this morning. My fear isn't what the right and the left do because they're they're not going anywhere. The defenders of President Trump are going to say, and I don't think they're wrong, they are going to say that this is a politically motivated attack. That doesn't mean they're wrong. But we know that this is politically motivated. I believe that to be true. The other side of the aisle is going to say nobody is above the law, and if you break the law, you should be held accountable. That's also true. But the politics are ugly. Your disdain for each other and ignoring of the other important things for the American people is disturbing. The idea, and just on this one thing that we know, I don't know about the other charges, if there are other charges – The one thing we do know, the idea that nobody is saying that the president of the United States didn't before he was president, didn't have the right to write a big check to a porn star and to sign a nondisclosure agreement, that he had every right to do it. The question is whether or not it should have been listed as a campaign expenditure. Therefore, he violated campaign laws. There are people that roll their eyes and say, and I know people that believe this wholeheartedly, that there are so many other serious issues and illegalities that were committed by Donald Trump that this is the one they're charging him with. I mean, and that's a general consensus among among a lot of people. You know, what happened in Georgia with saying he wants thousands of votes and other people that believe January 6th was his fault. There are people saying there are serious things that have been done by this president and we're focusing on this check. This is crazy. But in the end. The apolitical people in this world, and if you're someone like me that is immersed in this every single day, and there are many of us that are immersed in American politics, it's what you do, it's news, then we don't understand what it's like. I'm going to explain to you what it's like to be on the outside of this. Um, How many of you out there are sports fans, but not like certain sports? You know, you like your team or a specific sport. But you don't know, like, I love wrestling. And I'm talking about college-level wrestling. I think it was a sport I loved when I was in high school. But I don't follow college wrestling like I used to. But I know someone that does, that still knows the best wrestlers in the country and knows the best coaches in the country. And when it comes to dual meets and when it comes to the national championships, they understand the players and they understand the backstories. And we all saw that mom that tore up her glasses when her son lost in the semifinals. It's foreign to me. And I don't sit on the edge of my seat because of it. I don't. But when my Miami Hurricanes are playing in the Final Four tomorrow, I will be, don't talk to me, stay away from me. I don't want to look at my phone. I'm paying attention to the game, and I'm going to live and die with every shot. But if it's not your thing, there are people that just stay away from it. And they're like, ah, it's just not my thing. When it comes to voting in American politics, those people that stay away from the process have strong opinions like you and I do. They just want nothing to do with the process. They don't like your side, and they don't like my side. They think we're all ugly. They think we are all involved in the same mudslinging ugliness that they want nothing to do with. They feel dirty. I'm going to go in a voting booth, and I'm going to vote for someone that I know is a crook. It's just my crook. Now, I'm not saying everybody feels that way, but there's a big segment of our country that feels that way. 
So I'm going to waste my time. Forget getting involved in campaigns and supporting candidates. I'm going to register to vote, and I'm going to get a ballot, and then I'm going to go down, or I'm going to mail it in, and I'm going to vote for someone that I just think is less of a crook than the other person. No thanks. I'm out. And this is why we're driving people in this country. There is so much more to talk about the political opportunity here. But I wanted you to hear the Nancy Pelosi thing because I think it's fair. Nancy Pelosi in 1998 is telling everybody the Republicans are so paralyzed by hate for Bill Clinton, they can't think of anything else. Well, there is such a thing called Trump derangement syndrome, and is that playing a role in some of this? That's what the other side is saying. What one says, and you have to listen, you should listen to the other side as well. Whether you agree with it or not, that's what people are saying. What we're going to do coming up here in just a moment is talking about what I think is some of the most disturbing news I've heard in a long time coming out of the southern border, this time from El Paso. We'll get to it coming up here in just a moment. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. It is like a, it's like a revisit to my DJ days in high school. Yes, it was, it was ugly. It was silk shirts and parachute pants and the white cotton coach, just like Miami Vice. I'm not going to lie. Julia, don't shake your head. I'll show you the picture later. You're going to love it. I had a gold medallion, the shirt open. I had the whole thing, man. I was a DJ for parties and weddings, and uh, I played the role, baby. Uh, thanks for being here. Happy Friday. Um, first of all, I want to I invite you. We've been talking a lot about homelessness. I want to invite you to make a difference in our community. We started something called the Action Alliance. And uh, if you want to text the word ACTION to 411923, we'll just put you on the list and let you know of the community service projects we're doing. You can sign up for the ones you'd like to go to. We'll even send you a free T-shirt. So it's ACTION to 411923. Um, Very disturbing to me, this behavior um, at the border. It is uh, very tough for me to talk about this. I'm going to read the headline, and um, it shows the desperation and the chaos at the border. This is in El Paso. Migrant babies thrown over the border as 1,000 rush El Paso seeking asylum. So in a frantic scene at the border, dozens of babies and small children were thrown over the river that separates the U.S. from Mexico and El Paso, Texas, as more than 1,000 migrants rushed the border Wednesday afternoon. Exclusive photos captured this. Um, there are so many levels of this. When I was in McAllen, Texas years ago, and I think it was 09, um, I was in McAllen, Texas. I was down there with, uh, with Glenn Beck and a team of people, um, and it was humanitarian. It was not political. We just went down there because we heard of what was happening in McAllen, Texas, where tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors were being sent across the border, right across the river into McAllen, Texas. Um, and we're talking about very, very young children without parents. The cartels were bringing them across. And the town of McAllen, Texas is not wealthy, not big, very small, no services. And very quickly, this turned into an encampment. So we went down and took food and supplies and and observed what was happening. And it was 
heart-wrenching. It was heart-wrenching. And I've never posted the pictures I took because I, I don't know these kids. They're adults now, and I don't know how their lives turned out, and they didn't give me permission. But they've stuck with me for a long time. One of them was, I, at the time, my oldest grandson was young, was a toddler still. And there was a mom with her daughter who was about my grandson's age. And my screensaver on my phone was a picture of my grandson. And... um this little girl was holding my phone and kissing the phone, seeing a baby about her age. And I thought then it was the the epitome of innocence and that this little girl had absolutely no idea of the political firestorm she found herself in the middle of. Um, I have a picture of a, of a little boy, probably five years old, sitting on a cot in an army tent uh, with a curtain pulled over for privacy holding a a toy, a Woody Story toy that he had been given. And I watched the parade of how these children were brought in and sent through the process. It was all heartbreaking. But it was the other stories at the border. Uh, They found a five-year-old girl wandering around by herself on the American side of the border, five years old. While we were there, this happened. And she had a note in her pocket about a family member somewhere in the U.S. The cartels had dropped her on the American side of the border and just left her and hoped that the U.S. authorities would find her before the elements or someone else, something else got to her. And uh, thank God it happened that way. And here we are all of these years later, and we've got parents throwing their children across the river. The pictures are horrifying. Um, I say this because we've got no solution. The idea that the solution to this problem is to open the border and just let people come in is going to make the problem worse. And I want you to hear another headline of why we have to have a better solution at the border. Border authorities warn of greater surge in Chinese illegally crossing into the U.S. Uh, According to U.S. Customs and Border Protection, um, more than 4,200 illegal immigrants from China between October of 22 and February of 2023. It's not a very long period of time. Over 4,200 people from China compared to roughly 1,900 in all of fiscal 2022. More and more people are coming into this country. They are finding them from nations not just China but from other communist countries. And uh, Chinese national apprehensions will continue to rise across the southwest border, primarily in Yuma, and the Rio Grande sectors as more Chinese nationals successfully reach the United States. Border Patrol agents have increasingly encountered Chinese migrants who have crossed illegally into the U.S. via the southern border between October. And here's the issue. Um, There are a lot of people, and I know some of them, that are Chinese immigrants to this country that become fantastic Americans, just like from every other nation. So this isn't – I'm not being uh, China-phobic. Uh, But we don't know anything about people that are crossing in illegally. And we also understand that the Chinese government, if not our sworn enemy, certainly is our political and uh, economical adversaries. What the Chinese have just negotiated a deal with Brazil to trade between the two nations and not use the U.S. dollar, which has been the default currency, but to use Chinese currency and completely exclude the dollar out of this. They are slowly but surely chipping away at the U.S. dollar being the reserve currency, which could weaken our money. 
so we know they're our adversary and we're having thousands of people show up at our doorstep. We don't know anything about them. We need a better solution. The humanitarian side of what's happening with babies being thrown across the river is horrific. But the solution is not opening the border and just letting people pour across. We have to have an orderly fashion. Everything good about the immigration system in the U.S. begins and ends with border security. This is just another one of those angles that is so disturbing. In a moment, we're going to talk about growth. Uh, Maricopa County is back to its pre-pandemic growth. Maricopa County, number one in the country for growth. And is that a good thing? And what are some of the downsides? We'll talk about all of it next. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, I'm just saying, you play the conga, we're dancing in the halls here at the radio station if you play the conga. Thanks for being little Lisa Lisa to get you going on a Friday. Um... And on the wheels of steel in the control room. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. I'm having a little goofy time on a Friday trying to lighten up a little bit of this mood because there's so much disaster to talk about. Um, we are going to talk about a little bit of what I think is good news. Maricopa County continues to grow. There are a couple of things that make success, and it's right place, right time. And we are at the right place at the right time. Um, what uh, the county, I would say uh, there's a lot of levels of this, but uh, starting with leadership, what we've seen in leadership over the last few years, learning our lesson after the crash of 08, 09, that the diversity of Arizona's economy was very poor and that we found ourselves in a horrible place. So we as a state set out on a course to be more business friendly, more diverse, more manufacturing and and really high paying job centric. And I want to give credit. I've been giving credit to some of the politicians that made this possible. But I want to acknowledge and I, there's probably a lot more. But in one in particular, um, Intel is a company that has been here in the valley. I came here my first time in 1992. And they were a staple here. You've got Honeywell and other corporations as well. But as we talk about this chip industry and the tech industry now coming to the state of Arizona, they're the OG in Arizona. They are the OGs in Arizona in Intel, and they have made a huge investment in the East Valley. We know there's a chip company, a chip plant going in in the Northwest Valley that is going to drive other traffic here. We have seen tech companies come to the Valley in full force. The growth in Maricopa County is better than a lot of other places. And I want to talk about that because I grew up in a place, I moved to Southwest Florida in uh, 19, I can't remember if it was 77 or 78. Uh, I was a little kid. I was 10 or 11 and um, didn't think anything about it. But right now, when you're watching growth across the U.S., it's interesting where I grew up, Lee County, Florida, and that's where Fort Myers is, that's where I grew up, is one of the fastest growing counties. Not quite as fast as Maricopa, but it's still growing. We went through a huge growth spurt in the 1980s, and it's happening again in southwest Florida. The difference is this. With all due respect to the town I grew up in, um, they have not in any way matched the growth that we have here in terms of how well it's been handled. This valley has done a really good job of managed, intentional growth. 
Fort Myers still looks like they just threw this stuff against the wall and it was it landed where it landed. The roads are a mess. The traffic lights are a mess. The shopping centers and how it's laid out are a mess. It doesn't look anything like here. And that's not disrespect to them. That's respect to Arizona. We are growing by leaps and bounds, and we should be proud of that. The intentional managed growth, the expansion of our freeways far out in front of the growth itself. The the growth followed the freeways in most cases. What's interesting about this, and one of the areas that's growing so quickly, they're at opposite ends of the valley. One is Queen Creek. The other is Buckeye. Queen Creek is dealing with a mess when it comes to their roads, but they've been dealing with that mess for a long time. You know, you get the you get the 60 that went way out east. You've got the South 202 that makes a turn before you get out that far. But you look at Queen Creek has kind of been landlocked and there hasn't been a lot out there. And it's tough for the people in Queen Creek. And so they're kind of the anomaly, in my opinion. And I love Queen Creek. It's one of the fastest growing places when this LG battery plant goes up out there. It is going to be thriving out there. But they've got to do something about their roads. Buckeye is. The expansion of the 10 out in the West Valley, what they're doing in the town of Buckeye to allow for growth, what they're going to be doing out there with the 85 and the other things that are happening, that's important. When you look at the expansion – when the southbound 202 went on the south side of South Mountain out to connect with, was it, 59th or 67th Avenue in the West Valley, the expansion of the 303, we are seeing all of these things happen, and growth is following. And I think that when we look at overall and what's happening in Maricopa County, it's good for us. The downside to this is, I think, on our – we have to deal with the fallout. I think the this is where my political ideological differences come into play with some some other people. I think the government is doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They are giving us every opportunity to grow and be prosperous. Home values will go up. Land values are going to go up. The quality of jobs are going to go up. Companies are going to fight for you as an employee. So your opportunity to be trained and paid well are very, very good. I think that's exactly how this is supposed to be set up. We, on the other hand, have got to be more focused outward than inward, that this is where it's on us. This is where it's our responsibility, that we have got to look around us and say, "Okay, I got a house. I got a car. I got money in the bank. We are putting money away for our future. Now, when I walk outside of my house, how can I help those around me? What can I do to help solve some of these problems that are around us? And I think that these are um some of the big issues. We were talking homelessness earlier. The the governor, and I think it was a mistake, but the governor vetoed a bill because it sounds like it's harsh. It sounds like it is being mean when you say we want a law that says you can't put up a temporary structure like a tent and sleep outside in public land. The governor said, nope, we have to address homelessness in a different way. Well, you're not forced to address it unless there's rules against it. A judge in Maricopa County said, hey, here's the deal, Phoenix. You've got to enforce the laws because they were kind of caught in the middle of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and saying, the Ninth Circuit said they have a right to be on the streets. And this judge says, yeah, but they don't have a right to relieve themselves in the streets. Everybody else would be in jail for it. You can't have prostitutes. You can't have open drug use. You can't have violence. You've got to enforce the laws. You've got to do something about this. And that's correct. 
this is where I, I kind of went off on this earlier. This is where the government has, has a responsibility. The analogy I used was my own home. I lived in the area of 36th Street and Thomas, and there was right near my house, there was a homeless encampment. It might still be there because I don't live there anymore. Uh, 32nd Street and Oak in that neighborhood. There is a huge park there. Now, it's not right in the corner, but it's in that area, um, just north of there, on the west side of the road. There's a big park and a lot of soccer fields, and kids are out there playing all the time. But along that side street, it was right behind a dollar store, I believe, um, there's a homeless encampment. I mean, all the way down the street, makeshift tents and shopping carts and people milling around and drug use and everything else, and kids playing in the park. At the same time, I had weeds in my yard that were way too tall, and I was an embarrassment to the neighborhood when I first moved in, and I couldn't find a landscaper to fix it. It took me a couple of weeks uh, of buying the home and finding the neighborhood. And, and so it took me a while, and the weeds got out of control, and I got a letter from the city. Neighborhood services, and that's their job, is to, to go to your home and say, hey, listen, neighbors are complaining, and you're going to be held accountable, and if we have to fix this, you're going to pay for it. You're on notice. And isn't it odd that I could drive from my house west on my road to get to 32nd Street, and along that road were people doing drugs, and there was prostitution and relieving themselves in the street and sleeping in tents and blocking the sidewalk and sleeping on the bus stop benches, and nothing could be done about that. But they could find me and come to my house because my weeds were too tall. Now, I'm not being heartless. I think I should want I want to be a part of the homeless solution and the hunger solution. But what's fair for me is fair for everybody else. If I can't and I shouldn't, I was wrong. I shouldn't have had weeds like that in my yard. It was my responsibility to be a good neighbor. There's two. You can't sleep on the sidewalk. You certainly can't relieve yourself on the sidewalk. Prostitution, open drug use, drug paraphernalia thrown in the street for kids to find. Unacceptable. And our laws and the actions of our law enforcement should reflect that, and we should find solutions. Um, coming up in just a moment, uh, Phoenix Union High School Safety Committee recommending school resource officers back in school. We'll get details in just a moment. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, if you're an East Valley person, I want to invite you to a, a great event that's coming up. Uh, Dave Burns from Arizona Sports, along with the promo team, is going to be out Saturday. That's tomorrow, 10 a.m. to noon, at the new Fulton Homes community, Barney Farms in Queen Creek. They're going to be hosting a two seconds is too long drowning prevention event. They'll be giving you a chance to win D-backs tickets, plus a live CPR demonstration from the YMCA and the Queen Creek Fire Department. Drowning is 100% preventable. Head out to the to this great event and learn how to keep kids safe around water. Um, speaking of safety and kids, Phoenix Union, uh, a couple of years ago, the Phoenix Union High School District, and what I believe, again, this is all about what I think, in my opinion, the they, well, they said it. It's not about just guessing. The Phoenix Union High School District, a couple of years ago, in lockstep with the Defund the Police movement, decided that the right thing to do in all of Phoenix Union High School District schools was to eliminate school resource officers and come up with an independent safety plan on school campuses, including security guards and like a piece of paper in a folder that said run and hide that and I'm not I mean I am being a little sarcastic but that was it there were teachers that were complaining that a we don't have a plan in place and b where we do have a plan we've never had a drill 
It's just an envelope uh, hanging on the wall. If something happens, do this. And they took some heat for it. And then the reports were coming in about violence on campus, guns on campus, other weapons on campus, drug deals in the bathrooms. I've heard from teachers saying kids are afraid. The good kids don't want to go into the restrooms because of what goes on in there. Well, the Phoenix Union Committee, their safety committee, recommended to return police to campuses, but with stipulations. It was a five-hour meeting they had on Wednesday. They've decided that it's time to uh, bring them back. Selecting officers without a history of disciplinary actions, training in nonviolent tactics when working with youth, consistency in which officers are assigned to campuses, officers are not to participate in school discipline. Phoenix Union has the power to hire, remove, and train officers and hold them accountable. Funding for SROs should not come from teacher or staff budget and a yearly review of the agreement. If I were the Phoenix Police Department, I would giggle and tell them thanks, but no thanks. Phoenix police officers, like police officers across this country, are properly trained in dealing with every situation, with the exception of mental health issues, which we know that is changing in the industry because they're not mental health professionals. So they are there for protection of society. The idea that they all have to be retrained just because the Phoenix Union High School District doesn't want to make angry a segment of their population that was happy that the cops aren't in school is an injustice. It's silly. And in light of what we just saw happen in Nashville, Tennessee, part of the issue is these shooters choose schools knowing there's no opposition and no threat to them for at least a certain amount of time. In the case of 14 minutes in Nashville, which was an immense accomplishment. Is it all going to be solved with guns on campus? Nope, it sure isn't. It's a bigger problem. It's threat assessment. It's owning the threat. It's dealing with things before they happen and doing what you can to be preventative. It's about choke points and entry points and people being observant and a team of crisis crisis management professionals. Does it include people with firearms? It absolutely does. The same people out there that say more guns on campuses means more death. It certainly didn't. Isn't it funny that when Uvalde happened and they were right about Uvalde, that had the guns in the hands of police intervened sooner, lives would have been saved. But in Nashville, when in 14 minutes from the minute that the call went out to the minute that the suspect was dead was 14 minutes. No one wants to say, well, it's a good thing they got there with those guns as fast as they did. The idea that Phoenix PD is not appropriately trained to deal with kids in school. By the way, I I wish I could post these pictures. The pictures of the Phoenix Union High School District students carrying guns on campus and being so emboldened that they brandished the gun. in a. It might not have been a classroom, but it was a building on the school campus brandishing a gun and then posting those pictures on social media. It happened. And everybody says, well, there was reports of a gun on campus, but fortunately, no staff or no students were ever in danger. Yes, they were. There was a gun on campus in the hands of a child. There were a lot of people that were in danger. Fortunately, nobody got hurt, but that doesn't mean that they weren't in danger. So now you've got kids with guns and knives and drugs on campus, and the cops have to get trained in using kid gloves when they deal with them. Let it sink in.
Coming up after 11, we go back to the indictment of former President Donald Trump. More of what witnesses are saying, more of what the media is saying, and what the former president is saying. It all happens next.